0: The following is a North Carolina Baptist resource. For more, visit ncbaptist.org.
1: I'm really encouraged to see that there are so many people who are interested in reaching college students. Um, And the reason why is because I was a college student at the University of Missouri-Columbia. I grew up in church. Um, And that first year of college was really, really difficult for me because I wasn't able to find a community of believers to be a part of. And so I lived a very isolated freshman year where I would be in my room on Friday nights while all of my friends, (laughs) you know, would go out um, to parties and whatnot. And I even was like hanging out with grad students. Like, just think about that, a freshman. And I was like 17 years old when I was a freshman. (laughs) So like 17 year old, child hanging out with uh 24 25 um year olds Um, but that was because those were the only uh christians that i knew of on campus and i met them through uh the gospel choir and so um hoping that i would find a lot of christians at the gospel choir because you know you're singing songs about god but like no they weren't really they weren't really there they just like to sing (laughs) um and so um so my freshman year was really really difficult and I also like just came from a, a background, a spiritual background where there were some things that that just didn't make sense to me, um, things that they added to the gospel and what it meant to be to be a Christian. And so um, me trying to embody all of those things and failing time after time at that, I just got really weary um, and was like, you know what? I'm done with this Jesus thing, (laughs) you know, Um, and began to pursue kind of my own path, if you will. Um, And so I did that for about a year. And I praise God for the couple that um, he raised up to have a particular interest in reaching African-American college students on my campus with the gospel. If God had not moved on their heart in that particular way, I'm not quite sure how I would have came to faith. I'm sure God would have done it (laughs) through some other means. But it was through their concern um, for college students that I came to know uh, the Lord. And so uh, Brian Fry, who is a a church planning guru, he said that um, the greatest barrier to reaching college students is, is that it's not the college students in and of themselves, but it's the church's lack of concern. Um, that because churches, um, some churches, not all churches, you know, like kind of maybe uh, have kind of outsourced college ministry to parachurch organizations or even to their their Baptist collegiate minister, you know, who's on their campus um, that because of that, they've just kind of like take taking their hands off of it and not seeing themselves as someone who is integral um, to the process of reaching college students. It's like we'll provide food. We'll throw some money on it, <laughs> you know. But other than that, uh, we won't we, we don't feel that we need to do much more than that. And I think that that is true. I think lack of concern is a big part of it. But I also think that some of it is maybe that churches have kind of come to to view themselves as not being uh, the ideal (laughs) person or the ideal entity to reach college students. Because there are all these barriers. Right. Um, One, college students are like 18, 22. And that's just I was I was that demographic, so I can say that Um, that's a very (laughs) um, self-centered, silly demographic um, at times. And so because of that lack of maturity, um, sometimes churches can see, think, man, maybe we can't really bridge. The gap there. And now we got Gen- generation Z coming on. They're weird. You know, they just they just really are. I'm sorry. You know, but you're not generation Z. You're going to be the generation after Z. Um, <laughs> but but they, they are they like um, um, there's a book called Gen Z and it talks about how they don't even know how to make friendships. That social media has has kind of taken over in such a way that they don't know how to have conversations. If they're sitting at a table and it goes silent for more than like five seconds, everybody's picking up their phone um, because they don't know how to deal with uncomfortable silence. Um, They also have different definitions (laughs) to things, Um, and so truth, you know, (laughs) sin—they don't even know what sin is, you know. So there are all of these like cultural, generational barriers, and I think that the church can sometimes think, man, like, what do we have? to to offer um them. And so when when we encounter people like this in the field who who kind of struggle in these ways, I think about Acts um chapter one, verse eight, you know, where Jesus promises that the Spirit is gonna come and that he will empower them to be his witnesses um in all of Judea, uh Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then we see like right there in chapter two that like Jesus Like the Holy Spirit does something that no one would have ever imagined where people are being able to hear the gospel for the first time in their own language because the spirit is just giving them the ability to speak in a language that is not their own. And I so love that because in that it just proves that every sort of barrier that exists, the Holy Spirit can resolve it. He can overcome it, whether it's a cultural barrier, ethnicity, generational language, whatever it may be. The Holy Spirit can empower his people to overcome it. And so. um, So, yeah, so like I said, my name is Yana. I work for the Baptist State Convention of North Carolina, um, and our goal uh, is to reach every single campus in the state of North Carolina. And so kind of our mantra is no campus left. And so we are laboring to ensure that no campus in the state of North Carolina is, is left without a reproducing uh, gospel presence. And so there are 170 plus campuses in the state of North Carolina, everything from four year traditional to uh, two year community colleges and trade schools that we're seeking to reach. And we feel like our best shot at that is the church. Um, there are four thousand <laughs> uh, Southern Baptist churches in the state of North Carolina. I think we can do it. <laughs> you know, I think we can do it as more and more churches get involved um, and and really take up the mantle to to reach these college students. And so, because of that, I'm really really thankful that you're here and that you see yourself as being a part of of that time. And so, a lot of times when we tell people that that's what we do, that we partner with churches, they ask us the question, "We're well, like, so like, how do you do that?" Um, and so. Here's how here's how we do it. Um, the collegiate partnership team um, seeks to partner with churches to to reach uh, college campuses by helping them develop a ministry to college students that best fits their church. I want to focus on that best fits. Um, so for us, we don't have some sort of like boxed, you know, model that we just kind of ship out to every single church that we work with. But instead, we want to come alongside you and help you to the. Uh, create a ministry to college students that really fits the DNA of your church, your ministry philosophy, your values and all of those things. And so um, and because of that, what we do is very relational, right, is that requires us to get to know you and get to know your church um, and really see uh, how we can partner with you so that you can can develop a ministry that best fits your church. The second thing that we do is we help them to understand the collegiate landscape. And so there are North Carolina has. We either have the most historically black black colleges and universities or we're second. We might be second to Texas. I'm not sure. Um, But but we have 13 um, historically black black colleges um, and universities. And so that is that is a different kind of campus. Um, It's not like a Duke. It's not like a UNC Chapel Hill. And so we want to help churches that if that's in your backyard, like we want to help you and equip you to to reach them in an effective way. And because of our partnerships with other churches in the field that are reaching a diversity of campuses, we we can leverage their experience to inform you um, about the trends and, and things like that. And also with that, community colleges. Very, very different, <laughs> you know. Um, and to be honest, that is something that we're still working through. And But we're seeing God do some really, really incredible things. And so we try to we try to provide an education about those things and even uh, Generation Z. And so my colleague, um, Tom Knight, who is brilliant, um, is going to be sharing about that generation later on today um, just to kind of help bridge the gap and give us a framework for how to reach them. The other thing is equipping them with resources. And that's very broad. That's everything from coming alongside a church to uh, do a training in evangelism to helping you uh, helping a person or your staff like raise support to do college ministry. And so in anywhere in between, um, we, we want to help resource the church in that way. And then connecting them with other collegiate leaders um, in the state of North Carolina and then even outside of that um, to help them to be effective in reaching Uh, College students. So that's that's what we do. We do. But today, my goal is to give you some first steps for starting a college ministry. And as we go through these steps, I don't want you to think about these steps as being sequential because that's not really how it works. I think everybody knows ministry is messy, (laughs) you know, and it's because people are dynamic. (laughs) And, um, and then also because we are human and so we don't know everything. And so we're just like filling our way through. And that's really what this is. This is, this is what it feels like a lot when we're doing college ministry, a lot of uncertainty. Um, But I want you to think about like these, these steps as kind of like a tornado. You know that you do one step and then you do another one. And then you got to go back around to another step and then you do a new step. And then before you know it, you've picked up some momentum, you know, and a movement has been been launched. So. Um, but before we before we let like really, really jump in, let me pray, um, pray for us and pray that God will bless, bless our time. Um, Father, it is it is a gift to be a co-laborer with you in your vineyard um it is a gift um to be an answer to to Jesus' prayer um when he looks out on the field and he sees he sees the harvest and he's like the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few um, father i thank you for these laborers who are Um, in this room and thank you for the ways in which they are serving you in their various places uh, of ministry across North Carolina. Father, I thank you that you've brought um, attention um, and concern um, about reaching college students who, who are far from you, who are impressionable, um, who are uh, vibrant, who are energetic uh, and have so much to offer. Uh, the church. Um, and so far, I just pray that by your grace with that you would, you would, you would bless our time. And that as I speak with that, ideas will be pinging off in people's minds about, uh, how they can take this back to their own context. And so we thank you. So Jesus name I do pray. Amen. Amen. Cool. So the first, the first thing, um, one of the first steps is cast vision. Um, And I think that this I put this one first, not just because I think it needs to be first, but because I think it's the one that is the most overlooked. Um, I think if we sometimes when we have a really good idea about something and it just automatically makes sense to us. We kind of jump over the steps of explaining and casting vision to others because it's like, well, don't you read your Bible like make disciples? (laughs) You know, why do I have to explain to you um, why? Why to do that? I remember. Um, I was serving in a church. I was a women's uh, director. And there was this young lady who uh, really needed discipleship. Like she just really needed discipleship. And I didn't have the capacity um, to to enter into that kind of relationship with her. So I asked one of the other women in my church, you know, she would do it. And she just came back to me with, well, you know, like we don't have the same personality. And I just would rather connect with this girl because you know da 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 da. da. I got really really frustrated with her. I was like, this is a person who wants to be discipled. Like, where in the Bible do you see that you have to like a person, <laughs> you know, to to disciple a person? And so I got so frustrated with her. And it's like, man, if I had just slowed down to like open the Bible, cast some vision to her, I think I think by God's grace she would have taken that step towards that student. But sometimes. I just jump over that step of casting vision and just get frustrated and just chuck people the deuces and go on with my life. You know, Um, but if we slow down and we cast vision um, to people, um, I think that they would be more on board and more inclined to get involved with what God is calling um, the church to do. Uh, And we see that Jesus did this over and over in his ministry. Like anytime Jesus is calling someone to obey, he's casting vision to them about the new kingdom. Um, that is coming and he cast vision to them about, about eternity. And so we see that in Matthew, Matthew five, one through 16. And I'll read that for us real fast. Um, When he saw the crowds, he sent, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to them, him. Then he began to teach them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every manner of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so you see that Jesus is like, hey, I know that right now you are in mourning. I know that right now that you are hungry, but there will come a day when that will not be true. You know, um, and, 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 and sort of casting vision to them of why they should endure. Um, and so and if you keep this has been fascinating to me, like as I've been reading through Matthew, Matthews, like you keep reading through Matthew. Jesus is always casting vision. Um, he's always appealing to the future um, to to call to call his people to obey. And so casting vision in order to cast vision, well, um, we need to uh, present a compelling future. Um, and I would even add to that. We need to present a compelling need and a compelling future. And so helping people to grow in their concern. You know, we do that by putting the need before them um, and then uh, getting them involved is a matter of presenting to them a future um, that that is different. And so here's how I do that when I'm talking to, stu- to, to folks about. Um, so Jeremiah. Right. So Jeremiah just shared about how he's in Hills, Hillsboro. And, um, that's, I just learned that's right next door to Durham. Um, so sorry about that. (laughs) But, um, he said that Duke, UNC Chapel Hill, uh, (coughs) Durham Tech, NC Central are all kind of in his, his backyard. Now here's, here's what I know is that we already have people reaching Duke, North Carolina, Uh, UNC. And then we also have people at Central. We have no one at Durham Tech. So here's how I would cast vision to Jeremiah about not going after those big fishes (laughs) and going after Durham Tech. Durham Tech is is on our 20 most strategic list. And it is number one. And the reason why it's number one is because it is the most ignored college campus in the state of North Carolina. And that's really unfortunate because when you think about our area, of, of Duke, uh, North, uh, UNC Chapel Hill, uh, UNC Central and Durham Tech. Uh, Durham Tech has the second most students on their campus. So that's 26,000 students that are there. Um, that's more than the students that are at Duke and, uh, and North Carolina Central combined, but no church Is going going after it. And community colleges are usually overlooked. Um, And that's pretty unfortunate because there's one point three million college students in the in the state of North Carolina and 70 percent of them are going to community colleges. And so as a state, we can't say that we're reaching college students (laughs) if we do not have a presence on community colleges. So I just created a compelling need. Right. Um, By talking about where we're not. Um, And so then how do I present a compelling future? And so kind of how I would I would do that is to say um, I if I were you, Jeremiah, (laughs) you know, um, I think our church is in a great position to reach this college campus because it is in our backyard and we have the people and the resources to uh, change the narrative right that this could go from the most ignored college campus in the state of North Carolina to the most loved uh, campus and so how would you like to be a part of joining me in reaching this campus right and so just kind of like something like that. And so that's that's how I would do that um, in terms like so a compelling need and then with a compelling, compelling future. I don't know who's having lunch, but it's not me. Um, (laughs) Cool. Does that make sense? Um, And sometimes I pull out the Bible to do this. Uh, If I'm challenging someone personally, um, one of the things I'll do is I'll, I'll say like, so say Jeremiah has a leader named Sarah. And it's like, Sarah, I've just seen you grow so much over the last few years. Um, And it just seems like God has particularly gifted you uh, in the area of evangelism, you know? And one of the first things that we're gonna do when we step on this campus is share the gospel with people. Uh, Would you be willing to help start leading prayer-walking groups on campus? Um, And so you've called her out, you have identified some gifts, you know, that are in that and she sees herself as a part of changing the narrative. Um, there and then you just kind of commissioned commissioned her out um, in that but casting vision um, another thing with casting vision or order to, co- to cast vision well you need to identify your goal you need to know what you're shooting for um, I worked with crew for about seven years and one of the things that we would say uh, constantly is that when people are following you there's two things that they want to know They want to know where we're going and they want to know whether or not you're going to care for them along the way. And so if we if we just kind of put this compelling vision before people about reaching uh, Durham Tech, but we don't have a goal, you know, we don't tell them what our aim is. Then we create kind of a frustrating uh, environment. It's like, well, why are we doing this? You know, what's. You know, what are we working, working towards? And so for us, the thing that we as a team, as a collegiate partnership team um, that we encourage churches to to shoot for is what we call a reproducing gospel presence. And so a reproducing gospel presence is a group of students that are meeting around the Bible. Um, under the authority of a local church with the intent to multiply so it's under the authority of the local church so it's not like a parachurch organization but it's something that is under the authority of like local church and so um, and when we say under authority we also mean like that the church is investing in the college students that is a partnership um, so to speak and not just kind of you know we do this here and there you know, but the, we are we we've made ourselves responsible for these students that that we're reaching doctrinally sound. Um, we know that just like the climate on college campuses can be very liberal, even at even at Baptist colleges, you know, and so um, for us, it's really important that the Bible is central. Um, to that gathering. And then they meet as a group. And that just comes from a philosophy that that we see that uh, disciple making happens in the context of groups. Um, and so even though one on one is good um, in order for a movement to really be unleashed, like we need groups. Jesus brought a group of 12 together. Um, and so we 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 want to follow his model there. And then the, the last one is that they're multiplying. Right. They have an intention to reach the whole campus. That it's not just a Christian huddle, but like these are students who are sharing the gospel with other students and have the intent of, of living a missional life even after, after college. And so that's what we need mean by reproducing gospel presence, but that can look different for every church. Right. And so yesterday I was having a meeting with a guy and Uh, He was talking about, you know, reaching college students and having interns. You know, he's like, we're going to have interns, but we don't know how to utilize our interns. And I was like, well, there are two ways that you can do that based on kind of what kind of ministry model that you want to to form. Do you want your college students to be integrated into the life of your church um, where they're in small groups with like. Adults from from your church or are you more interested in kind of having like a ministry that's happening alongside the church? Because depending on which one you would use your interns differently. And so there are four ministry models that that churches can do. One is an auxiliary collegiate ministry. And really what we mean by that is that it's a parachurch ministry. So there's the church and then there's the college ministry, but there's not a whole lot of overlap. Between that, we have some churches that are doing that. They have a service on Thursday night. Students come and that kind of serves as their church. And then but they don't have any of those students like really going to church on on a Sunday morning. Um, Not not necessarily the preferred, (laughs) you know, but if that's the best thing that works for that church, then then we we will do what we can to help them um, to do do college ministry in a way that best fits their church. This, the second one is a collegiate church. And so it's just like 70 percent of your church on a Sunday morning college students. Um, and a lot of people are doing that across the country. And that's been really effective for them. Um, where we see a lot of people land are in these last two categories. And so that, there's a mirrored mirrored collegiate ministry. So that means that the the church and the college ministry run side by side. Students are meeting in their own small groups. Um, they kind of have their own gatherings, but they still participate in like Sunday morning worship and service and, and um, serving on Sunday morning and those kinds of things, things. But it's not as integrated into the life of the church. And then we have multigenerational collegiate ministry. Um, and here, this is where the students really exist within the church. Um, they go to the small groups that are already existing in the church. They serve. Um, There aren't a whole lot of like special events for college students. The goal is to integrate them into the life of the church. Um, All of these um, models have value. It's just about figuring out what is the best one for your church. Like um, and a lot of that's going to depend on your ministry philosophy, um, your core values. um, But then also it's going to like depend on your capacity. You know, the leaders that that you have. Um And whatnot, which leads me to the next one um, develop a team so one of the things that we 've discovered in doing collegiate ministry and partnering with churches is that if there 's just one person doing the ministry, that ministry will likely die within a year or two because it 's just that one person, and then if and in the event that they leave or they have like a major life you know event. Um, their capacity uh, dwindles or becomes non-existent. And there's nobody there to pick it up, you know, because they've been doing this in, in isolation. And so it's very important to develop a team um, that is competent, but then also has the availability. And that becomes a little bit tricky, right? Because college students, especially if you're doing a community college, you're going to need people during the day. Um, and, um, so a lot of times people see that as a barrier, but do you know who, what demographic is the best demographic for reaching college, community colleges, retired Retired people, they are so, they are so like perfect (laughs) for that. They have the availability, um, to do that. And I know that that seems like a very far-fetched idea to send a retiree um to a, a community college campus. But we have seen the Lord do like amazing, incredible things through retirees. Um a whole ministry started at Laurel Springs through retirees. Um and now they have uh international students that are meeting with these families in their homes, eating meals and having like uh kind of cultural events so like having a Super Bowl party because they've never been to a Super Bowl party, <laughs> you know, um uh, before. And I mean I think what got me about this is that these retirees went out prayer walking on uh, App State campus. App State is mountains, is hilly, (laughs) you know, but they went out, you know, um, to do that. And they also went out to a community college um, as well. And it was through their faithfulness um, that that God that God um, started a movement there. And so developing a team and this is the group that you're casting vision to. This is the group that you're um, ensuring that they know what the goal goal is um, and and whatnot. And so but it's, it's crucial if you want to, to develop a ministry that lasts. Um, the next thing that we encourage churches to do is prayer walk. Um, we've seen the Lord start more ministries through prayer walking than somebody going in with like a really intricate plan. Uh, it's just something about getting out on the campus with your team and spending time in prayer and paying attention to what is going on around you um, that. (laughs) That just I don't know, it just works. (laughs) It really, really just works. And so we've seen a lot of ministries start that way where maybe um, someone was walking on campus and they end up meeting someone who ends up being like the gatekeeper to everything you know they're the ones who can help them to get a room on campus or connect them with the right person um, or it's a student who is is far from the Lord and but then comes to faith and then just becomes a, a, a really uh, good leader um, and gatherer of, of people and so just getting out on the campus and prayer walking um, and so for us a lot of times when we ask when we meet with people for the first time um, talking to our reaching college students our question to them is have you been on the campus? And so it's like, if you haven't been on the campus, that's like, you, you got to do that first. <laughs> you got to get out on that campus and allow the Lord to work in your heart and build concern um, for them uh, um, there. So if you haven't done that yet, I would just say that's go on the campus and and, and just and just pray. Question. Yes, please.
2: Um, does that mean you just walk on the campus or do you get permission somehow? what? Or-
1: yeah. yeah. And so community colleges. So we, yeah, we, we, were, we were going to talk about administration. No, 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 no. But this is great. Um, you don't have to get permission. Um, particularly if you're on a community college, like there are people of all different ages on a community college. And so you walk into community college, you're not, you're not going to stick out like a sore thumb, <laughs> you know? Um, and so just, you know, Feel free to go and walk. You don't want to draw attention to yourself. Like if it's five of y'all don't like all walk together, <laughs> like split up into to smaller groups and and, and go pray. Um, but definitely want to go in taking a grassroots um, approach. Um, and if someone, you know, comes to you and is like, hey, what are you doing? You're out here like, hey, we're just out here walking and, and praying for the campus. That's what you're doing. Like and it's like we just want to be a blessing. Um, to the campus there may come a point where you need to have a conversation with someone on the administration Um, however we we sort of discourage churches from starting there because before you know it you can get into all kinds of red and yellow tape that's really not like necessary at that point you know we're just we're just still taking very like baby steps we haven't even met any students we haven't started a group yet (laughs) you know like we're just here trying to figure out how we can be a blessing to the campus. And when you do encounter administration, that's the posture that you want to take. We just want to see how we can be a blessing to the campus. Um this isn't about us uh building our own kingdom. This isn't about us like trying to, you know, uh fill the pews in our in our churches, but this is really about us wanting to be a blessing uh to the campus. And one one guy, um his name's Kelton. He's walking around here somewhere. <laughs> um But he's taken this approach with just about every campus that he he's um, worked with uh, and and sought to build a ministry on. And through that, he was able to develop a whole community service program for that community college um, where the students would end up doing their community service through local churches. Um, And that kind of became the the door, you know, for students being able to interact with with churches. But just because he went in with that posture and was thinking outside the box. Now he sits on the community service committee for the the school, and so um, so just just saying, think outside the box, but then go in with that posture because um, administration will hopefully be a little bit more open to you. Now, if you go on Duke's campus and you look a little bit older, <laughs> you're going to stand out, <laughs> like you know. Um, and so just be be aware, be aware of that. Uh, but once again. We're just here prayer walking. You know, Duke might kick you off their campus. And just They didn't did that before because um, they're a private college. And so um, be a little bit more careful when you're on, on private colleges. So, yes, sir.
0: Yeah, that's why when you said uh, retirees, that's obviously, you know, very, they stand out because they're all. I was thinking, why retirees? What's the effectiveness of retirees penetrating? A college or university campus, uh, so you're talking about outside team, outside team that is outsiders of the campus. What about, can you comment, Yana, uh, the effectivity of actually developing an inside team of students Yes, from different churches maybe, Christian mm-hmm. students from different churches teaming up together to be <clears throat> that inside team instead of bringing in an outside
1: team? Yeah, that's an excellent, that's an excellent, that's, that's really good. Um, So if it's a community college, it's going to be difficult to raise up insiders. Um, And the reason why is because those students are so transient. Um, They may be there for, for a semester, um, but they're not going to be there longer than two, two years. And so the only way to really do that on a community college where you're raising up leaders is if you catch them when they're in the early college. Um, and we're actually seeing uh, uh, First Baptist Creedmoor. They're doing that like they had a ministry at the the early college. And now those students are, are taking classes over in the college. And so they're being able to build a ministry um, that way. But it's hard to do it when the students are so transient. And so because of that, we really encourage you to have some <laughs> outsiders who who have time to do that. And retirees tend like they have the most the most time. And so. If, Um, it's the availability factor that makes them the best demographic, you know, to reach that. But if you have people on your staff who can spend time on the campus and you're willing to utilize them in that way, like send them, you know, they'll, they'll be good to do that. And there are some churches who have that, that capability, but if you don't, then retirees will probably be your best shot. Um, when it comes to like a traditional four year college, that's when, yes, absolutely Um, raise up students from the inside um, out, Um, especially if like you have students at your campus. And so if I were meeting with you, you you listed the four colleges and you said that you had students at UNC Chapel Hill, I would encourage you to start there. Because you, you go where your students are. And so you want to develop them, raise them up, and then you send them out as missionaries to their campus. And you let them know, like, hey, it's not my responsibility to meet your camp, reach your campus. It's your responsibility, <laughs> you know, to reach your campus, because that's where God has you. You know, so how do you leverage, you know, all of the, your spheres of influence for for the gospel? And so that's when you, you take maybe more of that approach of de- developing leaders because you have more time um, to do that. If you're on a commuter college, (laughs) then it's kind of like a both (laughs) end, you know, Um, because they don't live on the campus. uh, The rhythms are very different. And so you're going to need a both end. You're going to need to be raising up leaders, but then also you're going to have to have people who can go to that campus and spend concentrated time there. Because commuters go to campus for class and they leave like those are their rhythms. They don't like hang out there um, and whatnot. So um, that's. That would be how I would suggest going about that. So
0: unless they're willing to unless they're go willing back to and continue the ministry even if they already finished their mm-hmm. tenure in the college.
1: Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Any other questions before we move on? These are good questions.
2: I do have one. Yeah. you were talking about um, the, the ministry models for college students and, mm-hmm. you know, finding out what works best for your church. But do you have any insight into college students, how they best prefer to, would they rather be intermingled into the church or would they rather have their own side by side or how do, how do college students in this generation right now?
1: Yeah. So they would rather have their own side by side. Um, like the mirrored approach yeah the mirrored approach um we've seen like there's a church that was doing the um the integrated approach and they saw some success with that a lot of success with that but then when they switched to a mirrored approach like where now they have like a college a sunday college service like they saw a significant growth in the number of students who come uh they saw a significant growth in like decisions Uh, for christ and then even even baptisms and so um so they prefer students prefer that you know but we all prefer that we all prefer to be in a room with people who who are like us um who think like us who are in the same you know stage of life i'm in a a small group with a bunch of married people and i'm like gosh why I don't want to be here.
2: Um, you know,
1: that's I'm sorry. That's a joke. They're having all these cute babies. Um, and so uh, but at first it was hard. It was hard. We now have some more singles that are a part of our group. But initially it was hard because we all just kind of we, we want to be in a group with people that are, that are like us. And so there's another church um, that was like, we know that that's what you want, but that's not what you need. <laughs> you know, um, we they felt strongly that um, their students needed to be in a multi-generational environment um, where they are with families and learning from people who are older than them. So they made kind of that hard shift um, and they lost some students in that. Um, But the students who stayed and kind of wrestled that out, they were like, man, I really love this. And so it's like it's almost like they have to taste and see it. You know, until they know that, oh, this is actually really, really what I want. And so and now that they've taken that approach, it's kind of become the norm in their church um, and their students have now become kind of the the ones to testify to the goodness of being a part of this multigenerational uh, uh, church. And so because of that, now their ministry is is growing. It's steady growth. It's not a big old thing, but it's what best fits their church and those are the kind of students that they're trying to reach and what I love about what they're doing is that it's so different to what everybody else in their context is doing at that campus um and so so yeah so it's you know you could go that way because uh students are attracted to that kind of model but sometimes if you know it's I guess I'm showing my cards I prefer (laughs) you know if a church would press through that and part of that is like Being in parachurch ministry for seven years and um, discipling women and and all that was like really, really good. But then when they graduated, they struggled. I mean, like just struggled. I mean, I'm talking about women who went on mission trips like overseas, come back. Can't really get integrated into a life of the church because everything was like they're used to everything being for them, (laughs) you know, Um, and uh, having, you know, just yeah just falling away from the Lord, um, in that process. And so, um, so yeah, so that's probably why I advocate from that, just from like personal, personal experience. So, yeah.
2: Have you seen much of a hybrid between the two? Because what I'm thinking about with my student ministry mind, you know, Wednesday night, we've always treated Wednesday night as the open door. We want unchurched high school, and middle school students to get into our Wednesday night. Then they assimilate into the church and are, Part of the greater church body after they've came for a while, mm-hmm. made a decision for Christ, went through discipleship, those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you do that with a Sunday night service or something like that with the college group? And, yeah. and try to kind of a hybrid between the two.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that church I was just talking about that made that hard shift Um they realize like, okay, we've made that shift, but now we need to like have some rhythms for college students to just be college students and be silly and, you know, go ice skating and all that kind of stuff. And so they have um, a monthly gathering for for each of those those students um, where they are, for those students where they gather and they do like different things. But even then they're doing it in like maybe the house of one of the couples at the church or, or something like that so it's still very much like integrated into the life of the church but it's, it's a space for them sure. to just be to be with other other college students so they're they're figuring that out um, as they go so they just implemented that this year so yes sir so question on like
3: um the actually implementation in a campus so like when you go to like on a, on a campus once you're prayer walking in the, the strategy this idea you have a desire what have you found, I guess, as a successful way to engage those individuals to where there's a trusting? And I say this from I run a uh, uh, high school and college basketball industry on Sunday nights, and I have between 25 and 40 kids who come to an open gym. I got a church to so let me use a gym because we're a small church, we don't have space. But with those kind of things where you engage, what kind of campus thing like that, like whether it's a sporting or a drama, or some someone to engage them? Because one thing I've discovered in this ministry is that they don't naturally trust the outsider. And so the outsider struggle is like how do you break through that especially with an age barrier mm-hmm. I mean, there's like you know so what have you guys found as, as that kind of a tool or mechanism to like whether it's a monthly but i mean but initially you have to get them to where they want to come to that monthly so how do you build that relationship in their space or in some you know avenue have you guys found one like that that's effective to then to kind of bridge that
1: yeah we so i don't have a model to give you other than like um being present and persevering and being present, you know? Because they are gonna be distrusting because they don't know if you're gonna stay, <laughs> you know? Um, and so you, you prove to them that you're gonna stay by being present, you know? So right now we have a, a, a guy who is um, moving towards Chihuahua. University is very, very small. And all he's doing is building relationships. And every time he just builds another relationship and another relationship, it's like he just gets closer, you know, um, to being able to start a small group um, on campus. And so I don't have a, I don't have a formula um, for that other than being present. Um, and kind of what we were gonna talk about with the, the surveying the campus, you know, we tell people to go on campus and like, just kind of see like, um, what are the doors that God, God opens, you know, through you just being present? What are who are the people of peace that you encounter? Like and just try to leverage all those things. <clears throat> it's very much like feeling your way through the dark. Um, you could go in and you could do an RSO, <laughs> you know, uh, a reg- registered student organization. Uh, but usually those aren't the movements that grow. You know, um, but it's it's usually that grassroots approach of like building relationships and whether that's a student on the basketball team, you know, or uh, the, the the college letting you have church there, you know, you you leverage that door for 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 all that you can. And so I don't have a cookie cutter. Well I, I was just wondering yeah.
3: what you've you've seen and experienced like in that capacity of like in that building some environment that you're gonna continually have people coming to based on that interest.
2: Mm-hmm. The campus officer, they're in classes they
3: have to. They're you know, going to school. Mm-hmm. Like, what is it that you know, is engaging them to something that you're doing for the people who are not interested in church, lost? Mm-hmm. Like that kind of, you know, besides just, I mean, the campus, but actually, if you've, you've seen any fruit in those kind of things those
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've seen fruit. <laughs> we sing seen fruit. Um, we have people who do like uh, what they call like discovery Bible studies on campus. Uh, and that's for like skeptics or people who are like interested in things of faith. And it's like, hey, we're going to take the next four weeks and we're going to work through the story of the Bible, you know. Um, and for them, it's just like getting them in the Bible. Um, there's uh, at North Carolina Central um, University, one of the things that they do during the uh, they call it the 1040 window, but they're not, they're not talking about what we're talking about um, we say 1040 window. But it's like at 1040, like all the classes, uh, there's no class for like 20 minutes. And so during that time, they just have like a big like game of uno on campus with like big Uno cards. And so that's one of the ways that they just draw people in and then they have what they call like a family gathering later on that week. So they'll invite people to come and like play games and eat food and then every now and again they'll spend some time in the Word. But that's that's <laughs> definitely more relationship driven. A lot of that is relationship driven. That's that's the hook um, to getting them to, to hang out. Some some folks do like intramural sports. Uh, with students, um, and so it's like, hey, we have a shared affinity for this thing, um, and so we do this together. And then that kind of breaks off into building like a relationship um, with folks.
0: Yeah, I, um, I, I know it's obvious in my, in my face, but I went through two generations of student ministry with our association with Baptist State uh, Student Union. It used to be where they provide buildings, right? They mm-hmm. where students can go there and it's a safe place for them to go and do activities, but now it's campus ministry. But uh, we still have a building for that, um, but things change what's going on in this building. But my point is, um, and I've seen other cultures as well, like Philippine churches around universities where they actually turn their church into a um, into uh um, uh, just a building. You can't even see it as a church. A hangout yeah. mm-hmm. house. For the student to go there it's it, because if it looks like a church the Catholics won't go the uh, other people won't go because all oh, that's us this church we won't go but if it's a uh, if it's a uh, a building and some churches have actually intentionally invested in something like that to just be a hangout house for students to go there play pool uh, have computers there for them to do their research, have a guitar, chess board, and just, and then the members of the church, the elders, the members, any age, they could just hang out with them. They're playing chess with them, and that's building relationship, mm-hmm. but, but it is a comfortable place for any person, either outside of the faith or whatever faith they come from. They go, there's a neutral place, but the relationship is built into the point that they have Bible study during the week. Mm-hmm. They have Christian movie during the week, but then, of course, there's some Bible study, actually discipleship going on on the side for those that really cast the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so, again, that was more intentional because it's investing in a neutral place where they can actually go and fellowship together as a student, not actually as a church group, but just a student. But out of that group comes a disciple and, and evangelize the student. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, we saw that uh, in our area, of course, during BSU, uh, when they were still go to this building and do that, but now the, the ministry has changed, and so they don't do that anymore in this building. But I've seen that in different culture, like in the Philippines, that really attract the students hmm. to this kind of activities, and they are more to go there and open to the gospel because the relationship is built.
1: Yeah, right yeah, yeah, we've definitely seen seen things like that, for sure um there's a church in alabama that did something similar or they just like they gave the keys of the church to their students like literally like here here are the keys do with it whatever you want and the students ran with it um and through that they were able to uh, like reach a lot of college students um we and so affinities are are good you know um even like tutoring you know uh having an after-schools tutoring program at your church um students who like Want to do that? <laughs> you know, want to serve in that way? Um, that that could be that could be a, a good way to connect with students um as well. So, yeah, uh, those are those are good good thoughts. Yes, sir. Good
2: question: You mentioned that about four thousand Southern Baptist churches in North Carolina. Well, most of those churches are going to be the small rural churches mm-hmm. out there that are one hundred and fifty to two hundred. Mm-hmm. And what you see with those? Uh, students' perspective is you're going to have a ton of high school and middle school students at those rural churches, mm-hmm. but then once they graduate, well, they're gone, they're off to college, mm-hmm. and so they can the church can keep in touch with them mm-hmm. remotely, but for the most part, the few that stick around in the community colleges, you may have 30 in your high school and student ministry, but five to six mm-hmm. in actual college-age students. What first steps do you think for that small rural church, where you only have five or six actual college students left, mm-hmm. because all of the high school students have gone away to college,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and you may have the local community college with two thousand students? What does the college ministry look like in that church?
1: Yeah, um, it could look a couple of ways. You know, it could be like gathering those students for discipleship. Um, and, and Bible studies and fellowship and those kinds of things um, and trying to move, to, you know, talking about things that are relevant to them. Um, and then it could be that plus, like, equipping them. It's um, kind of like we talked about multiplying, right? Equipping them for the purpose of multiplying and helping them to think through, like, how they can reach people at the community college. One of the things about community colleges is that everything is kind of siloed off by whatever degree program that you're in and so if you got four or five different students who are in four or five different programs you know then how do they kind of become a missionary like to their program so like equipping them um in how to share the gospel equipping them on how like to lead a small group and like hey it would be great it would be like one of our goals this, this year is for each one of you to to disciple one person or to uh be able to meet as a group together on campus you know um for for bible study with different people in your program and so i would i would still send them out you know um to to do that um and so that would be that would be my recommendation and you already got a group right because it's five of them (laughs) you know and so to if they work together um they 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 could they could they could start a small group bible study or even a ministry on that campus so yep what do you call Because I know college and career tends to be like, Ew, I don't want to go to college and career class. They're like, Ew. They, I don't. Because I like his question because we are in a small church, mm-hmm. and we're our thing is just trying to get the ones you know that are in the community college and the ones that we're very close to East Carolina, um, the ones that have left our church back in, they've graduated and now they don't really want to go to Sunday school anymore. And I know maybe we don't have to do a traditional Sunday school yeah what do we call ourselves yeah you could what do they, call a good thing. <laughs> they um so so yeah there there are a lot of different names um one one group calls themselves rescue which i think is really interesting um <laughs> uh, some like uh connect should i stay away from that college and career kind of logo thing I mean, that kind of- well i would say if you have a community college and a um A university. Yes, because you don't want to you don't want to like so you could say um, like at one church they have this thing called Adopt a Campbell um, or a camel uh, for Campbell students. So they use the mascot of Campbell University, but they also have like students who are at community college universities. And so they shouldn't like like make the name of their ministry around like what is it? The pirates, you know, like so you want to call them pirates. Redeem pirates or something like that you don't want to go go with something like that because you isolate <laughs> the community college students who already feel less than right because they're not at the four-year year college and so maybe picking a more of a neutral name and depending on the name of your church you know it could be something that that goes it's off of that yeah i would i would say i would say yeah um i would i would say cool all right we got five minutes mm-hmm. and i have Two more points. Um, (laughs) One is survey the campus. And so really what this means is like just going on campus and asking questions like where do students hang out? Where do they eat? Where do they study? Uh, When is the campus most most alive? Like when are students like just doing things? What are some of the needs that they have? And then if you're looking to reach a particular demographic, um, like we have a church in in Raleigh that is... um, A Korean church and so they want to reach Korean students and so like because they want to reach that particular demographic then they need to do research on what how many Korean students are there and are they mostly grad students or are they in the undergrad program you know like things things like that just kind of surveying that out and then the last one is to identify the resources that are in your church that can be people resources that can be funding that can be if you already have an after-school program you know uh that's something that you can use uh to help students get community service hours um if your church has a food bank um and You're at a community college and the community college has a food bank. How can your church partner with that food bank to be a blessing to the students there? Like like anything, (laughs) you know, Um, but in order for you to be able to identify those things, going on campus, prayer walking, listening to the spirit, surveying the campus, being aware of what's going on um, and then identifying the resources in your church. And then the last thing, just go, (laughs) just like go yeah, you're going to maybe make some mistakes. There are probably going to be some awkward moments. Um, There may be some failed attempts, but just go and do it. You know, Um, remembering that the spirit is with you um, in that and that he can cross over any sort of barrier um, that exists so that people would come um, to a saving knowledge of him. Thank you guys so much for your time.